Morning. Morning. Well, um, as Crystal has said, I dumped that on Crystal. Um, that's one of the things I do well, I dump things on people. Um, but that's the reality. So, so Wentworth Area Chaplaincy Association, or the Wentworth Western Area Chaplaincy Association. Um, Nepean, 520 beds. There are 262,000 people will go through Nepean Hospital every year. There's a mission field that often we don't take into consideration. The, uh, I think there's 58,000 people. Will um, I'm just trying to remember my figures off my head? Um, will end up in emergency at, at some point. It's an amazing place. It, it's huge. Lots of things go on. I wanted to begin. I want to say thank you for your role as that. Uh, Glenbrook Baptist is now uh, a member of, uh, of WACA. Uh, I wish we were a member of the West of the, um, of the cricket ground. That would be great, but anyway. Well, my son works at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Um, so he has said, Dad, I can get you tickets, but it's a long way to go to get tickets. But anyway, um, there's those sort of things that we really appreciate by your involvement. The yellow piece of paper that you got as uh, you came in that was handed out, it's just saying a little bit about what we do, but in the process of that too, it, um, it says what you can do. So if the, I didn't know about um, the lady from here who's in, in the pen, we can visit her. Um, we can drop in and say good day and say that Glenbrook Baptist is praying for her or, and other people do. We can do that. But if, uh, we don't know if unless you give us the names. <laughs> um, uh, I visit, he's not here today, I, can say, I don't think. Um, James Kidd was in. I know James. Um, uh, I visited James and uh, the nursing staff told me that he talked and talked and talked. But that's James, isn't it? Um, uh, um, there are those sort of, of things that, um, that happen. And um, yeah, no, so if we know the people are there, so on the bottom of the sheet there's a, there's a number that you can ring and say, can you visit this person? Ivan actually asked me to visit a lady I, and I don't know where she's up to, but I visited her a few times um, while I was in there, uh, while she was in there, I should say. And there's all sorts of things that you can do. Um, so please continue to pray for us and the Chaplaincy Association for the volunteers as you have done and as you continue to do. I wanted to um, firstly tell you a story of a, a person who's a travelling salesman. Travelling salesman is going down the road, let's say between here and Lithgow, um, He's travelling and he sees this sign that says Anglican puppies for sale. Anglican puppies. And he's going, he says, I don't have time to stop, so I'm not going to stop. He did this trip every week and he was going down there. For, for six weeks he would drive down the road going, Anglican puppies for sale. Now, what's an Anglican puppy? You know, eventually he's going down on the sixth week and he says, Baptist puppies for sale. And he's going, well, what's going on? He says, I've got to stop. So he goes into the long driveway, he goes up to the street. He says, look, for six weeks it's been Anglican puppies for sale, now it's Baptist puppies for sale. What's the story? He says, well, their eyes have been opened. <laughs> Actually, one of the patients this week told me a number of stories, which I can't repeat. Um, I like a good joke. I like a good joke, but I tell bad jokes. So this thing, you know. Um, 
So the story that Crystal read, um, it's got nothing to do with that joke, but the story that Crystal read is a story that I learned at my mother's knee. A story that uh, as children we would sit at her and my father's knee and we would listen to the stories from the Bible, we would sing songs and we'd pray together. It was an important time for us and a lot of the stuff that we learnt, some of, some, a great deal of who I am is because of who they are or were. And it's important on this day that we recognise our mothers. Some of us uh, uh, have had difficult times with our mums, some have had great times, some have, uh, haven't been mums, but like Crystal said, have mothers' hearts. And so it's really important that we acknowledge that this morning. But this story, in its most simplest form, is a story about two people, desperate and hopeless, whose lives were at risks, risk, who were afraid, who needed the touch of Jesus. So one of the things about me, for those who don't know me, my, I can... My preaching style is really about getting you involved. That's what I feel more comfortable with. So you're going to have to answer some questions. The congregation that I used to be part of it hated that. Anyway, but that didn't worry me. Um, but I want to ask you to come back with some, some comments as we preach and as a ways of learning together. So here's the story of people who needed the touch of Jesus. Who doesn't need the touch of Jesus? Anybody? Nobody? Everybody needs the touch of Jesus. Uh, and I acknowledge the simplicity of this story, but I think there's much deeper stuff going on in here as well. In the simplicity of it, it's talking about the healing of two women. There's something much deeper in there as well. This story is recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels in Matthew, Mark and Luke. So it's an important story that we grab hold of. We also find, one of, what we find in this story is a, is a Hebrew, actually it's not just Hebrew, uh, Anzac Day. Or if you go to an RSL club at nine o'clock at night, is it nine o'clock at night? You stand up and say the ode. You know, they, shall not, they, they who grow old will not grow weary. Uh, not grow old. Those, they will not grow old. We will remember them in the morning and then, and at night. What's that telling us? We're going to remember them all the time, not just, not just in the night or in the morning, but all the time. In the Hebrew scriptures, there are often there were passages that will take extremes, and it's what it's saying is it's not just about the extremes, but about everything in between as well. So let's, the, the most common one, the one that the, the Jewish people will say all the time is what's called the Shema, or the Shema, depending on how you want to say it. This is how it goes. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Jesus said that. Um, but it's also there in Deuteronomy. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. What's that telling us? All the time. It's not just when you go to bed or when you get up. But it's every other time. It's not just when we're walking down the street, 
But it's all the time that we are to impress upon our kids and those around us that the Lord our God is one. If you go to another familiar passage in Ecclesiastes 3, remember that one? Actually, um, as a group turned it into a song when I was a young person. For everything there's a season. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, etc., etc. And the, what's that saying? In all these things, a time to be born, a time to die. In between, too, I tell patients in hospital that often it's not the, the, the birth date that's important, and it's not the death date that's important, it's the gap in the middle, the dash in the middle, and how we live our lives, that's important. But here's the, here's the stinger in this passage. He says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set in eternity in the hearts of humanity, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Time be born, and yet here's the stuff, that here's the, the God is there. We sang the song, God's there in the process, in the presence of God. So here, I want to go, let's go. So if you remember the, remember the story, remember what Crystal read to you. What are the contrasts? Yell it out. Yes. Share. Sorry? Young and old. Yeah, so the little girl was young. She was only 12. And the other woman was old. She'd had a, a, a bleed for 12 years. What other differences do we have? Life and death. Yeah, yeah. So the woman was still alive, but the daughter of the girl was dead. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the woman was alone. Nobody there. The little girl had a family. Yep. Rich and poor. Yeah. Yep. The woman had spent everything that she had trying to get better, and she didn't. Whereas the little girl came from a synagogue ruler's family. What other stories? What other things do we have in there? They both had faith. Yep. Well. Jairus, Jairus had faith, the, the woman, the little girl didn't, but Jairus did, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, Jesus was teaching his disciples the lesson, yes. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, she was, she had no connection with her family, or if she had a family, it doesn't say whether she had a family or not, but she wouldn't have had because she was blind, she was an outcast. In fact, she had to come in secret because she couldn't mingle with the people there. Of a little girl, yeah. So big crowd versus a a group of six people. It's all. It's only six people in that room when Jesus healed her. That's all right. The um, the woman 
had seen many doctors. The little girl's death appears to be, well, not death illness, appears to be immediate. woman was hoping to be inconspicuous. Jairus made a big deal about it. One was an open request and one was a private request. Yvonne um, mentioned it and she was alone. She was, in some ways, the woman was nobody's daughter. This one, she was Jairus's daughter. One touched Jesus, the other one, Jesus touched them. Isn't it interesting? So when we look at that story, what, and we take that Hebrew uh, way of writing, what we discover is that Jesus is concerned for everyone not just the young or the old not just the women or the child but everybody jesus concerned for all people um i was excited to read when i was going through the the glenbrook baptist church webpage. it says we warm glenbrook baptist church warmly welcomes everyone in our community all ages nationalities and all backgrounds that's exciting that's great when I was a teenager in the church that I grew up in, we ran an outreach program for um, what we would now call unchurched youth. It was very successful. We had kids coming out of all over the place um, and, um, and they began to come to church, which is great, it's exciting. But unchurched kids don't know how to behave in church. So they'd talk while the person at the front was talking. Ridiculous. Um, they'd ask all sorts of questions they'd, they'd make a ruckus they'd carry on one of the elders of the church in his wisdom and on his own without going to the church one of the elders of the church that decided that his church started at 7 o'clock um, back in the old days when church started at 11 and 7 um, one of the elders of the church thought it was a great idea if he locked the door at 7 o'clock because they always came late Nobody here comes late to church, do No, no. They always turned up late, so he'd lock the door so they couldn't get in. How's that for being welcoming? It wasn't. How was it when the church actually said things like, we want to welcome everybody, but not you, because you turned up late and you talked during the time when the, the person up the front is talking? Now, often I think we have a, an either-or attitude. But here in this story, Jesus tells us that there's no either-or attitude. There's a both-and attitude. That Jesus is concerned, God is concerned for all people. No one is more worthy of God's love than anybody else. Uh, remember Romans 5.8, God proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us doesn't mention who, it just says for us. Go back into Romans and it says all have sinned. So it's that stuff about that God's concern is for each of us, regardless of where we've been or where we've come from. 
Or go to Colossians 3, it uh, uh, says that we are exhorted, uh, Paul exhorts us to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. How did Christ forgive us? Sorry? Gave his life? Yeah. Completely. No strings attached. Romans 12, James 2 encourages us not to show partiality. Now, I guess when we're talking about hospital, that's some of what we try and do in hospital. I've met with patients with great faith and patients with no faith at all. In fact, I've had a number of patients tell me where to go. Uh, when I say, well, this last week I talked to someone, I said, I'm the chaplain, get out. Okay. So we respect people and I got out. I was actually, I don't normally do this, but I was actually offended by that. Normally I'm not, but this time, for whatever reason, I was offended by that. I've been met with people who, like me, have been in church since the day they were born, while others think that the roof will fall in if they enter. I've met with young and old. I've met with the very rich and with the very poor. I've met with those who live in mansions and also those who are homeless. Just, week, just this week, I talked with a person who was 100 years old and had a successful business, was extremely articulate. He was in a room of four people. The person directly opposite him was half his age, was inarticulate and didn't know where he was. Who needed God then? Both of them did. I've met with those who are anorexic and also with the morbidly obese. I've met with those who can't speak and with those who can't stop speaking. I've met with people who um, have become... because of that they've come from another country but they reverted back to the language where they've come from. So I had to say to them, I can't speak Spanish. But they don't get it, they keep on speaking Spanish. And I'm going, yeah, I can just go see. Um, but that's it. I've met with people who uh, uh, have a, you can see the illness. I, I, I've met with people, their arms are, or their legs are in casts. And you know, I've also met with people who you can't see their illness there's one there and they have a mental illness as part of that I've met with people who are very much alone and with others who are surrounded by loved ones some people tell me they, said, they say I haven't had a visit my family don't come to visit me and often I won't so if you're in hospital or a family member's in hospital, you might be there visiting with them. I'll walk up, I won't actually interrupt you because I think it's important for family to be there. But I might go back later and if, if you're on your own. As I said before, I've met with those who adhere to the Christian faith. I've met with those who have no faith at all. I met with a person at the halfway through last year who... Um, strong faith uh, and, and yet was extremely scared of dying 
He died. I've met with others who are just broken. You may have heard two weeks ago there was a tragic accident at Nepean Hospital where two people died in a car accident. Did you hear that on the news? Um, Crystal talked to somebody who was passing by when that happened and shared and just was a listening ear for that person. One of my other colleagues um, had a staff member come and see them. I had the privilege of, of talking with a staff member who was a first responder, who was there and she told, I don't need, and I didn't, and she, and she didn't, didn't need to hear how and what and all those sort of things happened, but she was the first one of the first people there. As a nurse, and she's a nurse, and she's saying, my job is to fix and when I turned up here, I couldn't fix it because they were both dead. And so I sat with her and listened. And she told me, she said, I go home and I had a fight with my husband because he didn't want to hear the story. And I felt so alone. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for being here this was true for Crystal and for Michael and for myself. They all said something along the lines of, thank you, we have felt listened to. Thank you for being here for us in this process. So here's the thing, when I read this story and I see what we do in the hospital, and I see what you do as you meet with other people, that God is concerned with everyone. And he's concerned with the extremes and with everything in between. Who is, it deserve, who is it that deserves to hear and to have the opportunity to meet with Jesus? Everybody. Now, we've some of you mentioned this, but while there are differences in this story um, that Jesus' concern is for everyone, there are also some similarities. Now, the first similarity that we see in the story is that both the woman and the girl's father fell at Jesus' feet. Jairus, to make a request for his daughter, and the woman because Jesus called her out. Jairus is a leader in the community, and he comes and falls at Jesus' feet. That's not something that people would have expected to happen. The woman tries to hide but Jesus won't let her. My reading of this story is that Jesus, um, that they both saw Jesus for who he was. Perhaps that wasn't complete, but they saw Jesus as the one who, could, who they acknowledged could bring hope to them and to help to take away their fear and their anxieties. While they might have seen him just as a healer or a teacher, they also saw him as somebody who was lived in the presence of God. Now, to fall at another's feet is to acknowledge that person as greater than them. It's an act of worship. Jairus and this woman both worshipped Jesus. Both Jairus and the woman 
believe that Jesus could heal. They had faith. And Jesus acknowledged them. He saw them for who they were. He saw them as people who were made in the image of God. What we see in this story is that Jesus is present with both these people. I find it really fascinating. If I was Jairus, I'd be pretty annoyed. Jairus is walking down the street. He's presenting, my daughter is dying. Please come and heal my daughter. The woman comes and touches Jesus' leg and he says, hang on a minute. Hang on, my daughter's dying. No, just hang on. It's all right. Got this covered. And then he said, and and the gospel story tells us that the woman told Jesus the whole story. How long did that take? She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's seen every doctor around the place. Family's been cut off. She's got all this other stuff going on. Jesus says, hang on, Jairus, I'm just talking to this woman. My daughter's dying. Yeah, just hang on. (laughs) Jesus says to the woman that she's been made well. Jesus took the time to speak to her to hear her and to be present for both her and for the little girl. Jairus and the woman come to Jesus desperate, in fear and trembling, and Jesus was present for them. I wonder for me, I wonder if our, if my busy life causes me to be absent sometimes to not be there I've had, I don't know how many times a week I'll hear this patient say oh you've got better things to do than be here with me I don't by the way but I'm there with the patient we're there, Crystal and I and the volunteers, we're there with pa- I wonder if we get crowded out if people, other people get crowded out by our busyness. And see, when you read the story, what we see is that Jesus removes people's fear by being present for them, by being there for them. That they're the centre of their attention. When I read the story, what I see is that for this woman, for this girl's family and for us, God is present. The woman was restored to her community. She was seen as someone who was to be avoided, who was someone who was unclean. And yet Jesus restored her. Jesus brings healing and removes fear. The reality is that that's what we, I don't know whether we do it successfully all the time. That's what we aim to do as chaplains. We want to be present for those that we talk with. Medical staff have told me that they don't have time just to sit with the patient. In fact, they told me, no, we, we wish you did. Thank you for coming and sitting here and being with this patient. We've got all this stuff we have to do. We've got to make sure all this medical stuff goes. And they do, and they do a great job. He says, but you come here, you just sit. A couple of weeks ago, there was a person in ICU in the intensive care unit who we'd been called in to see. And I, I was 
a little bit annoyed, got to be honest, part of my busyness. I was actually on my way home. I just got in the car, just turned on the ignition, I was about to leave, and one of the other chaplains rang and said, there's a person in ICU who would like to talk to you. I went, yeah, right. But I did. And I went up and this person up there and the nurse who was there in ICU, for those who haven't been, there's a nurse who sits with you the whole time. She said, look, we don't expect that this person will live through the night. So I went and I sat there with him and I read some scripture and I prayed with him. And I, um, he couldn't speak. He was non-verbal at this stage. And I said, would you like me to stay? I was just holding his hand. Would you like me to stay here with you? He said, if you do, just squeeze my hand. And he squeezed my hand. So I sat with him for some time. I didn't stay till he had died. I'd, the, the, I'd actually left. The physio had come, and the physio had come in to do some work, and the staff actually said, look, there's actually not a lot of point. But, so I sat there. I held his hand for a while, but I wasn't there when he died. But that's part of what we do. We just sit with a patient. We've got all day. Rolled up later on, said to my wife, I'm sorry I'm late. She says, okay um, but we just have the time to sit with a patient whereas the medical staff don't have that time and they want that time but they don't get it when we read the story we see that Jesus moves people from fear and desperation to faith and he heals and restores them to their communities this story is much more than just a story about healing for two people. It's an affirmation that all of us, that all people are included in God's love. Regardless of where we're from, who we've been with, who, what we've said, what we've done, God calls out to us and invites us to join him and invites those around us to join him. At my parents' feet many years ago, I sang with my siblings what I would now call is an outdate, outdated song. I'm 64. I'm singing this when I'm four. So you can work out your maths. It's not that, that one's not that hard. Um, it's now outdated, but there's a lot of validity to it. You can sing it with me if you want. I'm not going to sing it. I actually said to Adrian, I need to turn this off when I sing because you don't want to hear that. But here's the song. I'll, I'll just say the words. Jesus loves the little children. Do you remember that as kids, that those who did it? All the children of the world? Yeah, Jesus loves the little children of the world. So, dude, some of you know it. There's still some truth in it. Well, there's still a lot of truth in it. Here's the clincher. Jesus loves the little children. Here's the clincher for me. All are precious in his sight. All. Not just the red and yellow, black and white, but the brindle as well. And the other colours that we have. The other people that make up our community. All are precious in God's sight. 
all the children, all the people are precious in his sight. And like Jairus, and like the woman who was there touching Jesus' cloak, our response is to worship and to praise God. I want to pray. Let's pray. Sovereign God, thank you for this church, for the people who meet here this morning, for the places they've come from, and the people that they've left behind, perhaps, or the, the, the families that are all spread out around the place. Lord, we're aware that some of our family members are not well. Some struggle. Some, in terms of faith, are not where we would like them to be. And yet your concern and your desire is and what you want from us is to love those with your love around us. Lord, I pray for Glenbrook Baptist Church, for this congregation in the morning and for the congregation that's just begun at night time, that together make up the body of Christ here in this place. Ask that you bless and strengthen and encourage. May your love continue to infuse and um, exude out of them for the sake of this community and for the wider community. Lord, I pray for Adrian and for his leadership of this place. Lord, draw him closer to yourself. Lord, I pray that each person here will see and know the reality of who you are. And Lord, may we worship you. Pray this in Jesus' name.